All right. Welcome back into the Plank Show. A couple of things we really haven't hit on too much uh, here on the Home of Sooner fans. We've kind of been left lane, hammered down on the Zadavian Sims kind of BS reaction on how Sooner fans have been painted. I tend to agree with Sooner Gundy's tweet. Uh, our text, excuse me, says, for me, if you're, you're basing your opinion on of an entire fan base on just a few fans, then you've got issues. Well, unfortunately, Sooner Gundy, that's the social media era we live in. One screenshot of one crazy fan's take on Facebook or Twitter suddenly becomes what? Oh, they're all just crazy like that. That's how they all are. So, obviously, Parker and Steelman are going to be all over that coming up at noon today. We've got, if you want NBA playoff action, looks like we're going to get two sweeps. The Heat destroyed the Celtics last night, 128-102. I mean, literally, they had the Celtics talking like their coach had lost its locker room. So, that'll be a... I'm sure that's a. I bet Boston Radio is fantastic this morning, Josh. I bet it's fantastic. Oh, are you kidding me? It's got to be complete meltdown city. They, uh, that that was embarrassing. That that was total quit. Uh, they got walloped in a game that uh, they they had to find a way to win. Right? I mean, you lose the first two at home, you got to come out and be competitive, and they they just didn't have it. Couldn't no, do it. No, they did not have it. They did not have it at all. Yesterday, Lakers lost. Congrats to your Knights. Big comeback win last night. They're up, what, two games to none? Back-to-back overtime wins. Handing Dallas their first loss after a loss in the postseason. I think Dallas was 5-0. and And, and I gotta, I've got to add a TV conversation here, two things. Number one, this Big Ten story to me, and I know you've been covering it quite a bit, Josh, over at HawkeyesWire.com. This story about the Big Ten TV deal not being done yet, it's a massive story. It's a massive story. And I feel like it's not being talked about the way that it should be. In fact, there's two stories in sports that I feel like aren't getting the coverage that they're supposed to be. I mean, there, there's $40 million that the Big Ten is going to have to give back to Fox because apparently Kevin Warren – gave NBC the Big Ten title game in 2026 when he didn't have the authority to do so. They're going to have to pay $25 million total for a deal to pay Fox back for lost 2020 football games. And there's tens of millions of dollars of value of the NBC primetime deal in flux because basically you've had a bunch of Big Ten teams. Well, how about this? The important Big Ten teams. Yeah, you've you've had a bunch of Big Ten teams. You've had three, <laughs> three. basically. <laughs> Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State that said, no, we're too important to play night games in November. So this is – and by the way, I'm not saying this is what's going on with the Big 12 deal because it's not. But the Big 12 deal is the only deal I've ever heard people promote where they use every single – amount of income you can make from TV as well they're gonna get NCAA tournament revenue they're gonna get a college football playoff share (laughs) I did I've never seen any of these TV deals reported like that and everyone's just like wow look how great this deal is and I'm like it depends on how far you go in the tournament but the big 12 deal has always confused me the big 10 deal we just looked at and we're like oh that's the gold standard and now all of a sudden you know what it raises all kinds of questions, right? Hey, was Kevin Warren really – I mean, did he just get halfway through the deal and was like, I'm out, I'm going to the NFL? 
Did he think that he was able to work through these things and kind of told, don't worry, NBC, these, these guys will be on board when they see the money. Now a new commission comes in. It's like, we're not going to be able to do this NBC, right? And here's the thing, Plank, this, this deal was supposed to be effective July 1st, this summer, this, this summer. And, and the deal is not done. No, this massive seven billion dollar TV deal that uh, was trumpeted is not done. The, the deal is not finished. I wonder. Yeah, that's like it's May. It's it's late May. <laughs> Play gets a month away from the deal supposed to be starting. Someone's got to either someone's got to swallow their their pride and and get it right, or. Big Ten's going to be stuck holding a bag, and not a good one. And, and ultimately, it'll get fixed, right? Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten is such a valuable property with all these schools in it, and it's getting better with USC and UCLA coming aboard. Though uh, those two have to be like looking around. Well, wait a second. <laughs> I thought we were. Uh, I mean, unless the TV deal dramatically shifts coming out of this plank. And even if it shifts down a little bit, it's still going to be a mega, mega television contract. And let's say the 40 plus 25 million gets added together and they have to pay those penalties. That's split 14 ways, $4.64 million, which is no small thing. But uh, ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, if in fact this deal gets done the way it was initially proposed or close to, that is basically a minor still, haircut. Absolutely. So that's a big sure. And then the. The other big story that is not getting any coverage has renewed my faith in something that I pushed back against, Josh. Here at 10.09 on the Plank Show, yes, we have softball. We're going to play Patty Gasso's post game coming up in about five minutes from now. We had, the, uh, we had a, a first hour conversation with Jamison Thomas Gasso talking about the Sooners win. If you missed it, it'll be up on the podcast page. But I used to push back against... Josh, the Friday news dump. Because to me, Friday news dump, come on. Everyone's still on Twitter. Everyone's still on, I think, Facebook. Everyone's still on social media. You can't get away with a Friday news dump without somebody, anybody, anywhere questioning what in the world is going on. I think USC just pulled that off this past weekend. Am I the only person shocked by the lack of talk, coverage, conversation around Mike Bone resigning? It is, it is uh, a little bit surprising, yes. And w what was the resignation here? What have we found out See? since Friday? That's the funny thing about it. It's salacial. It's bad. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Right. So the LA Times comes out with this. If you missed it this weekend, because apparently a lot of you did, the athletic director of the year, Mike Bone, after three and a half years guiding USC to the Big Ten, hiring Lincoln Riley, USC's athletic director resigned. Three and a half years, Josh. 80 of the year. Walks away. Not crickets. Nothing at all. Not, not a word. Not a buzz. ESPN's not even. It was almost who – I don't know if it was calculated – because if it was whenever it was released, that person needs to put a master class on when it comes to 
you know, crisis management. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's wait until the Lakers are down 0-3. Thank you. And then just release the news. <laughs> yeah, and, and literally in the middle of the afternoon – sorry. In the middle of the afternoon on Friday gets dropped. I, and it's just, hey, uh, Mike Bones out as the athletic director. You're like, wait a minute, what? There'll be no further comment on it. Wait a minute, wait oh, hold on, hold on. The guy that engineered this massive move and helped to yeah, you know, listen, you guys, I know we all feel a certain way about Lincoln Riley, but that's a hell of a coup for an athletic director to go get him, right? I mean, a hell of a coup. Um so many things and, and again, I'm also I know how sensitive certain workplaces can be now, how hypersensitive they can be. So, you know, it just it sounds like Josh Mike Bone was a guy that never really adjusted the way that he did business to this hypersensitive or even just sensitive workplace. Um, according to the report, there had been an investigation that was ongoing um, that he was what, what's in, inappropriate when it came to some of the comments he was making to coworkers, especially female coworkers. So there's one. Then the other, <laughs> the other thing which was hilarious to me was the whole idea that he just wasn't doing his job. It was, it was almost as if he, he came in and got him to the Big Ten and hired Lincoln Riley and did the old George Costanza and was like, uh, I, I guess I should be going right now. It's like, hey, we got to figure out who's going to end up being uh, hired as the track and field coach. And, oh, you know, I'm going to get on that here in a little bit. We're good right now. Wouldn't show up for meetings. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't give any direction. So a lot of his management style came under fire. But I, it, it blew my mind, Josh, how quiet this story became after it was dropped on Friday. And as, as much as we have this disdain about how things are going at, at, at USC and how it played out, what a nice little feather in the cap for Oklahoma fans to basically say, huh, there you go. You go get Lincoln Riley. We still don't know. What's going on and, and the financials involved in it? We have a guess, but guess what? That AD is out after three and a half years and what? Not even a full two years, maybe a year. And let's see, Jane Fair March, five, a year and a half after you had made that move to go get Lincoln Riley? That's wild to me, Josh. And nobody seems to care. Bill Plaschke's column from the LA Times. Here's part of what he wrote He quit. Talking about Mike Bone, he quit shortly before the Times published a story in which two USC sources charged that he had made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female colleagues. <laughs> he quit shortly before the Times story reported that three sources said several people confronted him about his behavior, yet it continued. He quit before the Times story reported that six USC sources raised concerns about his department management, including charges, this is what you were talking about too, Plank, that he missed meetings and was off, often absent <laughs> from key events. And listen to this bombshell. He quit before the Times story recounted concerns about his conduct in his previous job at Cincinnati, citing six sources, both named and anonymous, who said he made unwanted physical contact with women while creating a toxic and hostile work environment. So that's probably the worst part about this for USC is if they had done any sort of a background check, they would have found this out. You know, I used to listen to Opie and Anthony a lot, Josh. I'd listen to it on my speaker in my, my office. Never really had a concern about it. Loved them. To my, well, can't stand. Can't stand Opie. But, and, and Anthony's gone a little bit, little bit right here. But when I 
came to OU, I had to adjust. <laughs> I couldn't listen to Opie and Anthony on the speakers in my office anymore. You adjust. <laughs> just, just something. I'm not around some crazy guys from KMOD next door that might just laugh when they hear the same thing I hear. You adjust. It sounds like Mike Bone ain't never adjusted and might just be a bad guy. Here, one story I'll share with you. And then we'll break and we'll move on. We'll get back to softball. I got Patty's post game we're going to play. You guys are on fire on the text line. I love to see it. I don't feel like there's a lot of negativity. It's just kind of dealing with the negativity from this weekend, right? And, and again, nothing on Mike Bone, but I just want to share this with you. I've been blessed to get to do a lot of national stuff, just pure luck. I, I just think it's longevity more than anything else. And I've worked with a guy that was part of kind of the inner circle of Luke Fickle. And do you remember what the whole thought was when Mike Bone left Cincinnati to go to USC? The whole thought was, well, he's going to take Luke Fickle with him, right? That was, he had hired Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, worked out really well. And the whole idea was, I'm off to USC, at least in our mind, off to USC, bringing Luke Fickle with us, and hell's coming with us, right? They were going to be cooking. USC was ready to go. Never materialized, right? They stayed with Clay Helton for a year and then swung for the fences and got Lincoln. When the story never really grew and was kind of squashed really quickly, it was basically laid out that the reason Luke Fickle was still at Cincinnati was because Mike Bone was gone. And eventually Fickle left, right? Wisconsin gave him the bag. He got a little frustrated with the lack of, of push towards NIL by Cincinnati leadership and not really embracing what needed to be done to make sure that name, image, and likeness was something that they focused on in Cincinnati. So he took the Wisconsin job. But all of the talk, Josh, was, oh, man, Mike Bone's going to bring Luke Fickle with him to USC. That's going to be awesome. And then lo and behold, we find out, yeah, Luke Fickle might have been going somewhere else if basically Mike Bone was still the athletic director at Cincinnati. Not only are those two guys not connected to each other, apparently Luke Fickle was doing whatever he could to try to separate from Mike Bone. So if USC just does the slightest little bit of a background check, maybe talks to a couple extra people, they're not in this situation right now, are they? Or here's the uh, most disturbing thing. Maybe they did, and they just didn't care. Playing. Right. Dude, USC has been a train wreck. With your athletic directors, a train wreck from Mike Garrett. And, and Mike Garrett did a really nice job, but things fell apart for him late. They had Pat Hayden for a while, and that was a mess. Then Lynn Swan, with zero experience as an athletic director, came in. And you go get Mike Bone, and it's an even bigger disaster. So it'll be interesting to see what names pop up for that job. Well, and it's a, it's a great job, right? You've got you've to – successful football coach in Lincoln Riley. You're about to make this big jump to the Big Ten, so there will uh, there will be no shortage of suitors, I wouldn't think. Let's break. Patty Post game next. DJ did a great job with the interview, and then Josh and I will sift through the Buyer Chevrolet text line, including a first-time texter. We're making a little point here on the ref. Stick around. It's Plank Show with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, it's 1023 on the Plank Show. Yesterday, Oklahoma beat Cal 16-3 to advance to the Super Regional for the 13th straight season. It's the longest active streak 
in all of college softball. They are one win away from tying the all-time longest winning streak in college softball, two wins away from breaking it. And afterwards, DJ Sanchez caught up with head coach Patty Gasso. Coach, four home runs, six runs in the first inning. How do you feel about the way this team came out and made a statement? You know, we talk about the idea that this could be a lot of teams' last day of their season and making sure that it is not ours. So we came out ready to play, um, had all hands on deck, all pitchers on deck, uh, got everybody in the game to make a difference. So uh, they were ready for it. Haley Lee, sixth grade on the weekend, had a huge regional and her first regional in a Sooner uniform here. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about what she's doing for this team. Well, I think it started for her. Just she was really excited about the idea that she got recognized at the Big 12 tournament. And um, I think that just kind of got her settled. And then she's just she's hot right now. Sid Sanders is hot right now. Tiare was hot today. I mean, you go down the lineup, top to bottom, there's no easy outs at all so just to get these guys feeling good and feeling hot like having Haley Lee in that space and Sid really adds a big bonus to this this offense you already mentioned it able to get a lot of players into the game how important is that moving into super regionals next weekend if we have any kind of injuries or we need to rest some people or what have you it's so important but it's so important for our practice because these athletes that maybe aren't in the starting lineup could be in the starting lineup it's just you know you got somebody who's hitting 500 with 16 home runs in front of them you know so it's it's not that they aren't worthy it's just that there's so much eliteness around us and so it's it's just it comes in handy like Avery Hodge should be in every game in in some way shape or form Alina is so clutch when we need her. Um, there's just so many different reasons why certain people are in. Matchups have a lot to do with it. I was happy with Jocelyn uh, Erickson today. And I thought she did a nice job at first and hit the ball hard. So she's been waiting. You know, a lot of people are waiting opportunity. Just got to keep them hungry and not let them think about what it means to them. Because then they all get upset or down and we can't have that. So it's just... It's just got to continue to be a big team effort. Great weekend. Celebrate now, but not done yet. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> what does the week of prep look like moving forward? Um, not doing much different except just prepping for who we're playing next. And I have no idea yet because I haven't checked. Uh, but whoever it is, the, the stakes get higher and the competition gets a lot tougher. So um, this don't foresee us run ruling teams the way we used to or the way we have this season. Well, we'll see. Congratulations, Coach. Thank you. <laughs> that was DJ Sanchez with Coach Gasso after the game. Thought that was pretty awesome. All right, Coach did boo me, Josh. I don't know if anyone stayed with the post-game show long enough to catch that. And it shook me. It rattled me. I don't know why. Uh, when the games are over and everyone's out of the, the concourse, They'll go and they'll allow each team to do a little post-game with their team and, and talk to them. And then you have to go to the media tent and do interviews with the media. And usually for Oklahoma, they'll just walk them through the field. And as they were walking through the field, DJ and I were doing our post-game show, 
And I looked down and I saw a coach and she goes, boo, boo. And I was like, ah, ah. and I looked at my computer screen went blank for some reason. It's like a perfect timing. I was like, I'm shook right now. Everything fell apart. Everything fell apart, but it was awesome. I, I will say this. It was really fun too, for me personally. And I just kind of barged in and sat down unannounced because that's what I do. But sitting and watching all the games with, with coach Casso, with Poppy and JT and, um, and Drea, Paul, and, and Jen Roach. It was really cool, man, just to kind of get – and, and to realize here, – here's the other thing. To realize how in their game they are that they have no idea what's going on anywhere else. I mean, I feel like I am Adam Schefter in there. I'm freaking dropping Woj bombs. It's like, oh, yeah, this uh, Middle Tennessee game, this is a, an if-necessary game. And everyone's like, what? Out – Alabama, they're playing an if-necessary game? I'm like, yeah, and guess what? On, on that channel, Washington's playing an if-necessary game. Whoa! I mean, they're so dialed in in what they're doing. It's, it's awesome to see. I don't really know. It's kind of funny. I don't really know what more to add, guys. I, I, I'm being serious right now. We do a three-hour show every single day. We got a reaction to Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll, we'll preview the Super Regional this week. I, Josh, I don't really know what more we can add from the week that was. It's just it was pure and utter domination and, you know, exactly what you want to see to start the playoffs. Coach Casso has consistently told us what? His team is still is still getting set to play its best basketball. I'm looking up at basketball highlights. It's still got its best softball in front of him. And... There's no reason to doubt her, right? There's no reason to be like, oh, that, come on. But then they do something like they did this weekend, and you just, you can't help but shake your head and say, whoa, she uh, she might be right. I mean, I, honestly, I mean, wh where do you go from here except to say, I can't wait to see how they attack Valerie Cagle this weekend? Plank, they, they legitimately, Alex Storacco and Oklahoma had one, one difficult half inning. That's yeah, that's it. it. That's it. That's, and everything else uh, it looks like just an absolute Goliath, a juggernaut, which we expected. But then to go out and do that in the postseason for what? Now five uh, consecutive games has, has been very, very impressive. I'm just in awe. I, I guess there might be one, one area where you can think, what, what's going on here? And I was actually – I was talking to someone about this late last night whenever it came down and the Sooners are playing at 1 o'clock on Friday. And what is is that noon or is it uh, 2 o'clock on Saturday? I, I don't know why I don't have it right here in front of me. But I was – maybe there is a little bit of, huh, that seems a little bit odd that you would have the number one team in the country, arguably one of the, you know, Mar – Marquee squads, period, in all of college softball. And you're putting them on in the middle of the afternoon on a work day. I mean, at 1 o'clock on Friday, 12 o'clock on Saturday. And then, you know, we'll see about Sunday, right? We just don't know. It's, it's this unknown right now. But the point was brought up, and this, this was a great theory. You can count on viewership 
whenever, wherever OU plays. No matter what time, so you put them on midday where other people wouldn't draw the same viewership. Because I, Valerie Cagle and Clemson, that was a top five team at one point this year, maybe, maybe top eight, I'll have to go back and dig. But you've got Oklahoma and, and Clemson, two marquee brands, period, as far as college sports are con- considered just period across the board. It would seem odd that you put them on in the middle of the afternoon on Friday in the middle of the day on Saturday. But it, it also, I guess, does make sense, Josh, because as much as that kind of sucks for fans that have to work on a Friday, it makes sense because for ESPN, I know the first game is going to be on ESPN too, you know you're going to get viewership wherever you put Oklahoma. Right, yeah. I mean, it's the dominant force in the sport. And, oh, by the way, Oklahoma's got this incredible built-in storyline right now where they're one win away from tying the uh, – the all-time wins mark and two away from breaking it. So that's uh, that's an incredible little piece. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But probably, I mean, that that story makes you feel like, okay, well, probably this is a primetime uh, broadcast. I thought so, man. I thought so. All right, let's get a break. It's 1032. Listen, I got to, um, I got a bolt at 11 a.m. this morning. But I want to hit some of your texts. There's tons of really good stuff on there, Josh. I'll uh, I'll save, I'll save the whole um, recruiting fight for you at 11 a.m. Is that cool? Oh, thanks, man. That's great. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that for you and Connor at 11 a.m. But when we come back, let's hit the best of the text line right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I'm gonna go all softball here. You okay with that? Fans, y'all okay with that? Yeah, yeah, everybody's good. Everybody's good with that. If you're okay with that, can you give me a hell yeah? I got to work on my Stone Cold Steve Austin. My voice is a little bit rough on Mondays after a a late night Sunday night. You mean mean Travis Kelsey? Travis Kelsey. Gosh. Ken, I'm not turning. I'm not going to be a fan. Not going to do it. Ain't happening. (laughs) Hey, how many times did ESPN show the Brittany Griner highlights this weekend as opposed to how many times people wanted to see it? What's that percentage you think? Probably f- pretty pretty large amount. I felt like – I can tell you something. No one can ever fault ESPN for not giving coverage to the WNBA. That's for damn sure. Yeah, it'd be, uh, it'd be cool if they would give softball that kind of coverage. I'm, uh, thank you. It, I, I know Brittany Griner is a big story. I get it. But ESPN's Sports Center that I've had on all morning long, right, it's, it's 20, uh, 28 minutes of Phoenix Mercury highlights – followed by like 30 minutes of of Miami Heat and Boston Celtics. And then there is like, how about these crazy plays from the softball? Like three plays. It's like, <laughs> all right, moving on. It's like, Come on, man. Let's go. Let's talk some softball here. But I just I, – I, I'm impressed. I'm not even mad. And just, wow. here you've got this property for you that actually rates – and you give it no time at all. It's so dumb. It's it's really ESPN does a lot of things right, but they're doing this deal wrong, and uh, it's just bad business. Oh yes, and Sooner Gundy, uh, I have seen Stone Cold ET. It's one of my my personal favorites. Um, I, a lot of lot of good text here to get to. So here we go. This is from the nine one eight. You guys may have already talked about it, but I was in Salt Lake watching DJ and the Utes 
all the Gassos are having quite a spring. He and Page are doing incredible jobs. Top 10 nationally in batting average, and that team plays gritty. The OU family should be taking pride in following this team as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I could not. I could not be happier about Utah. I reached out to see if DJ could come on this week. We'll see. I mean, he's busy. He's busy getting ready for a super regional that, you know, Utah hasn't been in, but he's been there before, so he knows what it's about. Utah hasn't been in there in a minute. But I'm really, really happy for him. And I'm you will not find a bigger Utah Ute fan than your boy. I love everything about it. I'm glad people have uh, jumped on board. Uh, let's see. I don't know why I – didn't click on the prep page where I put everything, but here we are. Tommy writes, OU and Utah advance to the WCWS. Whole Gasso family will be in OKC. That's right, Tommy. That's right. They might be in there anyway. From the 918, I love listening to Patty Gasso. She is a savvy human. Everyone clutches their pearls at her methods. They don't understand that kicking people's backside again and again and again and again is way more fun than being the fun parent. I and and it's funny because everyone else would do it to try to win. I mean, that's the funny thing about it all. You're telling me you wouldn't go out and you you wouldn't go out and try to bring in the best players to the, your program? That's the funny thing to me when people try to criticize Patty Gasso and what OU has done in the transfer portal. Guys, gals, the quote-unquote portal is really nothing new to softball. Immediate eligibility has been a thing here for a minute. Now, it's grown because we're soft as a society, and if you don't get things you want, you immediately go somewhere else. Am I doing that right, Josh? Am I, have I reached angry old man, get off my lawn yet? Isn't that how I'm supposed to be? No, that's very good. Yeah, well done. Well, the portal is there when you're soft and you don't want to challenge, so you're just going to put your backside in the portal and go somewhere else. No, but Coach has done a really nice job in in bringing in players that fit. Not She doesn't just go get anyone who's good and brings them in. you got to fit. And, and Haley Lee, Lena Torres, Sid Sanders, and obviously Alex Strzok, they've all fit. And in G. Juarez, she fit. And in Jana John, she fit. Taylor Snow, she fit. I mean, you're just I, – I, I always crack up, Josh, the people that – the people that try to say things, well, it's just unfair. They're getting all the good players. Well, all right. You, you, go, you go tell them to go somewhere else. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really understand that mindset of don't go get good players to play for you. No, we've actually got quite a few good players, and even though you're a great player and could make us better, we we would like it if uh, you considered somewhere else. I feel like that noise starts to quiet. And let's be honest too, Coach Gasso, she has she has a system. That's, I mean, I don't. I'm not saying that anything is easy, but I feel like the rules are pretty easy. Play hard, work hard. Pay attention to the the fine details. Be a good teammate. Be passionate. Be in the game. Be ready. I mean, study the game. Be a good – I mean, these aren't hard rules in any sport to follow. 
but she's got to hold you accountable to them. Hell, she was booing her broadcaster when she was walking off the field the other day, huh? We all are held to high standards around here, Josh. Demanding excellence. I love it. Um, Sooner Steven asks a really good question. Is OU softball going to wear the blue home decals for the rest of the postseason? I don't know. It's a really good question. The, the blue Oklahoma was, of course, in honor of the 10-year the mark from when Oklahoma, uh, when more Oklahoma was hit by the massive, devastating, and deadly tornado. So Oklahoma softball and, and baseball really went all in to support the Moore community and show their, their gratitude and their gratefulness for the first responders and the support for the families. And I just thought it was a really, really cool thing. I hope they continue it. I don't know if they will, but I hope they do. Here's two on Avery Hodge. The 949 writes, Avery does everything she's asked to help the team win. Here's one for the 949. Avery Hodge is the Drake Stoops of softball. She's running around all over the place and does anything to help the team win. Boy, two from the 949 on Avery Hodge. Is that is that where she's from? Let me see here. Where is the 949 area code? Is that Richmond? Oh, okay, Orange County. All right, that's good. That's good. She's not from Orange County. Um, Jim in Arlington, how many softball teams left have multiple player rotations like OU has? When was the last season OU had just primarily one horse they rode and a backup just for relief? Uh, Jim, there is, I mean, in, in reality, there's really only one team that doesn't have a rotation. And in fairness to that one team who had been often criticized, their rotation kind of stepped up for them this weekend, and that's Alabama. Now, they Alabama and Florida State. Not Florida State ran up against a wagon. I mean, uh, South Carolina's pitching was amazing this weekend, um, but I don't know if those two teams have the offensive firepower necessary to overcome an off day from their pitchers. And I think we saw that from Middle Tennessee State or from Alabama against Middle Tennessee State. But, I, Jim, more often than not, at least in my experience, and I'm sure there'd be some diehards that would disagree because there always is, but in my experience, you are, you're seeing more teams go towards that two- to three-person rotation than not, and especially with the numbers the way they are, Josh, right? You, have, you still have COVID, uh, I guess you could say, scholarships, players that have – you know, got another year of eligibility left if they want to use it. Uh, I, this weekend, for instance, Missouri, they had seven pitchers that they had thrown. And, I mean, five of them had thrown somewhat regularly. But you're, you're going to see a lot of, of teams that use more pitchers than not. And, you know, with Montana Fouts, and we'll see what her availability truly is, with Montana Fouts, Alabama, looks like they got some things figured out pitching staff-wise this weekend. Though I will say I couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> I don't know who was doing the Alabama regional, um, but when she started throwing in the pin with that leg brace on, you would have thought Willis Reed came walking through the stands, Josh. You would have thought Paul Pierce was getting wheeled out on the wheelchair. And if you watched her throw, it looked terrible. <laughs> It looked incredibly painful. By the way, oh, there's Montana Fouts throwing in the pin. 
and you're watching her, and the only thing I could think of was, that looks like she's really in a lot of pain. Yeah, not ready to go. Um, Sean and, uh, Seth and Piedmont writes, I think the main reason people are saying this was one of the better regionals is we had a lot of if-necessary games. We had one fewer than we did last year. So, I mean, I, you may be right. I, my thought was on Friday night when you had every – and into Saturday, it's like, whoa, all these upsets. That's crazy. Well, the number two seed got knocked out. That was the upset. Everywhere else, it was pretty much chalk, right? Outside of Oregon taking care of business against Arkansas, which really wasn't too fascinating, right? Because Oregon had been a really good team all season long. And who's our other Cinderella? San Diego State from that regional. You know, 14 of the 16 remaining teams, you know, it's kind of about how we projected things, right? There's really, there's really no shock here. I mean, we only had to move one regional – uh, one super regional site, and that was Salt Lake City. Uh, all the other top eight seeds advanced. Seven of the top eights advanced, and I don't. So again, I don't necessarily think that we had these massive upsets that some try to lay out. And like you said off the top, Josh, we were on the verge of it. We were Very on the close. verge of it. Very close. And yet, if Purdue gets beat by a 16 seed, and it's only the second time we've seen that happen, that might be the only upset we need, right. baby. <laughs> Goodbye, UCLA. Right. Oh, and then speaking of that from UCLA, here's a trio of some good ones. Uh, we've seen this a couple of times. From the 402, good thing you, uh, good thing OU only wins because they play at home. How'd that work out for UCLA, Arkansas, LSU, and FSU who needed a perfect game? Miss me with that. That's on the home field advantage thing for OKC. And then Santa John, it's too bad UCLA didn't get to play at home in front of their own fans. Oh, wait, they did. Uh, and then from the 405, I do hope there are better umpires this weekend. It was pretty bad in some of the softball games. Yeah, I thought we – I didn't think it was too bad for us. I thought for Oklahoma they had a really – I thought it was consistent. I didn't think there was too much bad in OU's umpiring. But across the country, not a good look. Overall, and by the way, someone had asked for a, a take on watching. Who was it? The um, the LSU player that got booted yesterday, Georgia Clark. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I don't really know what she was thinking rounding the bases. I really don't. So, when we come back, we'll put a wrap on this hour of the Plank Show. But for the most part. Thought it was a fun weekend, and I can't wait for the Super Regionals, which we'll preview all week long right here on The Ref. All right, put a wrap on our two. Thanks to JT Gasso for joining us. We'll have more softball reaction. I, I To Jim and Arlington's question, I thought this was the, the best way to put it from the 405. A lot of teams have multiple pitchers, but they don't have the quality of multiple pitchers like OU has. And you'll see – You'll probably see one person start both games for Clemson. Now you'll probably see Valerie Cagle pitch both games. And if Montana Fouts is back, you'll probably see Montana Fouts pitch both games for Alabama. And you'll probably – this is where, you know, you start relying on your aces a little bit more. But a lot of teams have, have had a lot of different players start games. I'll tell you what, you know, I, I know it might seem like a small thing, 
but I can't tell you enough how impressed I've been, Josh, with Kirsten Deal. I hadn't had a chance to talk to Kirsten. You know, it's it's weird for me because uh, hold on, story about me real quick. Hope some of y'all don't get mad. But from February to March to April and even into early May, you know, every second I spend is around this team and it's awesome, right? We travel together. Um, I, I might drive separately because flying is for the birds. Get it? I just, I, I get to be around them a lot. But when you get towards the postseason, right, Big 12 tournament, maybe even say a couple of home series, right, to wrap up the year, you're not traveling together. It's, it's in a more of a Friday, Saturday, Sunday mindset. So I hadn't really had a chance to talk to Kirsten Deal since her breakout performance against Oklahoma State and just her confidence, Josh. Hey, she's not going to start games, but I don't think Oklahoma's going to be afraid at all if they have to go in there and use her in any kind of lefty-on-lefty matchup situation. Well, and we just don't know if and when that's going to that situation is going to present itself. So it's nice to know that you have that uh, fourth option. She looked really good this week, and and I, and I bring it up that I talked to her just her her confidence. Right, you can just sense it. It's like wow, this is a this is somebody who is very very confident in what they're doing and who they are right now, and it's awesome to see. All right, uh, really good stuff on the text line. Josh is going to be all over it. I talked to Andrea Adelson this weekend. We went in on the uh, Big 12 t- uh, tur- uh, tournament, listen to me, Big 12 TV deal, what's going on in the ACC after the week that was. And, oh, yeah, by the way, she agrees with me. That Mike Bond story disappearing is fasc- fascinating. But we'll talk about it all coming up next hour right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.